Well, it's so good to be back here at Grace Point, had a couple weeks away. And the last time I, I, I taught here before every service, after every service, I was checking my phone because my mom was right on the threshold of entering heaven. And, and on May 2nd, early in the morning, she um, left this life and entered the next life into the arms of her Savior that she trusted in. Uh, when I was about one year old, and she has served him faithfully. And I, am, I am, and my family are rejoicing that she is no longer living with cancer and hospice, and now she is set free from uh, the bondage of this earth. And uh, our, she was one of our missionaries at a church, uh, at, at our church. Uh, she went around to the different uh, naval, uh, I mean, military bases around the country and, and set up after-school clubs for, for boys and girls. So her ministry was to military children. And so she's one of our missionaries. So uh, we're having our, her celebration of life service this Saturday here at 1 p.m. And you, if Grace Point's your home, you want to come, you're more than welcome. We'd love to have you as we truly will celebrate um, her life. It was fun to get away uh, two years ago. Um, you know, we started making plans because COVID took out the college graduation of our youngest, and so she just graduated with her master's, so we made sure to be there um, uh, just before Mother's Day. And then we, we, uh, we, we, we also then went to North Carolina, and, and one house had all of our kids, all of our son-in-laws, my youngest daughter's boyfriend, and all the grandkids, and we survived and we still love each other. Uh, it was a phenomenal trip. But while on that trip, um, had to, heard the sad news. Some of you may hear this for the first time or watching it, hearing it for the first time. Some dear family, uh, dear family of our church, really pillars of our church, uh, Robin and Debbie Donaldson, had received the tragic news that their one and only son um, tragically died. There was a, some, we don't know what happened at uh, Home Depot, but he fell and uh, he never recovered. And so he, he went on to be with the Lord. So please lift up the Donaldson family as well. Um, and we will have Ryan's uh, service on Saturday, June 11th here at 1 p.m. Now, would you pray with me before we start the series? God, thank you for life. We saw all these kids and families, and uh, we've also experienced uh, death here at, at our church. And thank you, Jesus, for conquering death uh, when you rose again. Thank you that those of us in Christ have a relationship with Jesus. We mourn, but not like those who have no hope. And we thank you that, um, that we have this hope because of Christ. So, Lord, bless as we start a brand new series today, I pray that you would bless and, and fill me um, with your presence, Holy Spirit, so I can teach what you want me to, to share today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, what I'm about to tell you is a true story, is a true story. A number of years ago, just outside of Bakersfield, California, an hour, an hour east of that, that town, that city, there's a lake. And at this lake, a lady bought a brand new 26 or 27 foot bay liner ski boats. I mean, we're talking nice boat. And she wanted to try it out for the first time. She's new, new to boating and, and, and she, she, you know, got the boat in the water and she started, tried to, to, to get going. And she just knew early on instinctively something's not right. And no matter what she did, the boat just didn't respond right. I mean, it full throttle, it just 
kind of barely went, and it fought her every inch of the lake, and her turns were difficult, and keeping it, you know, balanced and, and level was, was difficult. And she thought several things. She said, first of all, I think I may have bought a lemon of a boat, or I must be doing something wrong. I must have bought a lemon, or I must be doing something wrong. And then she said this statement. It's not supposed to be this way. Again, new to boating, but she just knew. It's not supposed to be this way. So after an hour of fighting this new boat, she motored over to the marina and pulled up and a young attendant there. And he said, she said, can you take a look at my boat? It's just not right. She explained what happened. So he jumped in the boat and he did a thorough topside uh, search and examination. And, and he said, ma'am, um, everything is in perfect working order. Engine runs just fine, the, the prop goes up and down, and the pitch is right. I mean, everything is in perfect working condition. It doesn't make sense. And he said, well, there's, there's one more thing I can check. So he jumped into the lake. Let me remind you, this is a true story. He jumped into the lake to check under the boat. And he comes quickly up air, gurgling bubbled water because he's laughing so hard because strapped securely underneath the boat was the trailer. No wonder, right? No wonder. Nine years ago, I taught this series called Secret Baggage. Nine years ago. And uh, we're going we're gonna to teach it again. There's so many new people uh, that are here. Um, it's called secret baggage. Baggage is simply issues we have not resolved. Issues that, you know, we, we need to deal with, but we just keep putting off. And it's secret baggage because we either weren't aware of it, but most, most likely we are aware of it, but we want to keep it a secret. So we deny it, we hide it, conceal it, stuff it in the corners of our life. But those who know us and love us and live with us know we have issues. It is not secret to them at all. But when we have secret baggage, it's like we're going through life dragging and life is not responding the way it's supposed to. We intuitively know it's not supposed to be this way. Now, we're not expecting perfect life, but we start thinking, well, maybe I'm dating a lemon or I married a lemon, don't point. Uh, may, maybe I gave birth to lemons. Maybe I got a lemon of a job. Or maybe I'm doing something wrong, but we intuitively know it's not supposed to be this way. Most of the time it's because we have baggage that we're dragging around. See, baggage follows us. If you're single, if you're a high schooler, uh, you, you're already accumulating baggage, and you'll carry that right into, if you get married, you'll, bring, you'll drag that baggage right down the aisle. You'll put it into the new apartment. When you become parents, uh, you just drag the baggage right into the baby room. When you become grandparents, you're probably still dealing with it and dragging it around. And we will pass on baggage to our children. We're either going to give them a backpack of baggage or they're going to drive off with a U-Haul trailer of baggage. And when we talked about this and taught this uh, nine years ago, it was almost like every week God just putting his finger on a nerve and it triggered a motion of like, oh my goodness, I know I needed to deal with this. And God was like, when are you going to deal with this? I want you to deal with this. 
Now, we're celebrating so many people trusting in Jesus, and, and Satan will use anything and everything to keep you out of eternity in heaven. But once you trust in Jesus, you cross that faith line of salvation, trust in Jesus that he died and rose again, he was the Savior. Satan can't keep you out of heaven, but he's going to load you up with as much baggage as possible so that you don't experience the freedom that Christ gave you at the, on the cross and with the resurrection. Jesus said this, that the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life abundantly. So maybe you have trusted in Christ. You're like, but I don't even know what an abundant life looks like. Most likely, you have unresolved issues that Christ wants to set you free from, but you're dragging it around in life, and it's affecting every area of your life. So we're going to go through these. Now, I can't cover everything, and some of the chapters I won't cover this series. If you would like to purchase a copy, I do have some. Uh, there's uh, on your notes, there's a QR code. You can order that. Or if you uh, want to go onto our website, and uh, my book's there, Pastor Kevin's book is there on the resources page. But I, I'm not, I, I trust me, I'm not doing this to, to, to have money. In fact, proceeds are going to go right to Horizon, what our church is trying to, uh, trying to do. But my passion is that you will move from bondage to freedom bondage to freedom, and you'll be able to understand, oh, now, finally living the way God wants me to live. So the first baggage we're going to talk about is called generational sin. And you may be thinking, well, what is, what is that? I'm glad you asked that. Here is generational sin. It's any sinful attitude, action, belief, behavior, or habits that we imitate from our parents. Okay, our parents modeled for us, you know, sinful attitudes, actions, you know, beliefs, behaviors, and habits, and we saw it, we caught it subconsciously or consciously, and now we are imitating what they modeled for us. Now, this is not about pointing fingers at your parents and, and, and staying a victim. Trust me, you all realize we have too many victims in our country. It's to say, no, 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 I caught this, but now... I am continuing it. I am continuing it. So we're going to give you some examples and then steps to freedom. Here's, here's the first thing I want you to do. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings chapter 17. Uh, first and 2 Kings are a, you know, really kind of recording of all the kings of, of, of Israel. King David, the second king. Was the mo is the most famous king, and he was a great king, even though he was flawed. He, he made some horrible decisions, but his heart was still pursuing God. He loved God. He loved worshiping God. He wrote most of the Psalms. Those are songs about God. And, uh, but then he, when he died, the, the kings that followed David, most of them did not follow God. A few of them did. And God blessed them when they obeyed God. And, but most of them did not follow God. They went after other idols of the nations around them. And they were not receiving the blessings from God. They were receiving the punishment from God. So in, in King, 2 Kings 17, we'll pick up in verse 35. God is talking. He says this, When the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites, 
he commanded them, quote, do not worship any other gods or bow down to them, serve them or sacrifice to them. But the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt with mighty power and outstretched arms is the one you must worship. To him you shall bow down and to him offer sacrifices. You must always be careful to keep the decrees and regulations, the laws and commands he wrote for you, and he says it again, and do not worship other gods. Do not forget the covenant I made with you, and do not worship other gods. Parents, you see this? God has to repeat himself too. Rather, worship the Lord your God. It is he who will deliver you from the hands of your enemies. Unquote. They would not listen, however, but persisted in their former practices. Even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. And here's the generational sin. To this day, meaning when it was written, their children and what? Grandchildren continued to do as their ancestors did. Once it got started, there's this generational sin cycle that they sinned against God, and then their kids caught it, and then they sinned against God, and it went from generation to generation to generation. But then chapter 18, a young king called Hezekiah came, and then he began to follow after God, and he broke that generational sin cycle and started a cycle of obedience. And with obedience comes the blessings of God. Now let me give you a, a, a brief overview of this young King Hezekiah. His great-grandfather was called King Uzziah, and he loved God, and he followed God, and God blessed him. Uzziah had a son, that's now Hezekiah's grandfather, named Jotham, and he was kind of lukewarm about God. And in fact, Scripture says this about Hezekiah's grandfather. It says, Jotham, that was his name, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done, but unlike him, unlike his father, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. I mean, I'm going to follow after God, but I don't need to go to the temple. I, I can worship God outside of the temple, which is true, but he began a pattern, and for whatever reason, he just didn't come to the temple. He, he wasn't there to, to, to worship God. He wasn't there to hear the teachings uh, from God and, and, his, and, his, and, the, and the law of God. He just was lukewarm. See, what happens is, I, I can't give you a 100% guarantee that if you faithfully come to church and bring your kids, that your kids will grow up to follow God. I can't give you a 100% guarantee, but the odds go way up. And when parents get out of the habit of going to God's house, they are communicating without realizing, they're communicating to their children that even though you love God, that God isn't that important. Now, this is not a guilt trip thing. I'm just giving you some counsel and warning, is that we get so distracted with so many good things and games and leagues and this and that, and we got to have our playtime and rest time. I get that. But when we get in a habit and we, don't, and we rarely attend the house of God, we are communicating to the next generation 
that God is not really that important. So that was his great-grandfather Uzziah, his grandfather Jotham, and now Hezekiah's dad was wicked. He has cold, had a cold heart toward God. He, he, when King um, of Assyria was th- threatening to come, um, his dad Ahaz took from the temple gold and silver and bribed the king of Assyria. So please don't come attack. Here's some of God's money, and we'll buy you off. But his heart was so wicked, he pursued other gods and other idols. And one of the idols was one of the most grossest idols in Scripture. It was the idol Molech. Molech. Molech, um, they, want, they try to, you know, worship him so that we have better crops and all that, and it would rain. And they would erect this iron statue with arms out like this. And then down below, they would light a fire. And they would offer living sacrifices. And Hezekiah's baby brother was put on the idol of Molech as the flame and the heat you know, heated up the iron arms. His baby brother was put on there. Of course, the baby then squirms because the pain falls and then is burnt to death. That's the dad that Isaac, uh, Hezekiah grew up with. And you thought your family was dysfunctional. But in the midst of that, Hezekiah determined to follow God. Pick up in chapter 18, verse 3. He, that's Hezekiah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. Those were all symbolic of kind of a, a... a sexualized, perverted worship of idolatry, and he just destroyed all of those symbols and all of those, all of those pieces of that idolatry. He also broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. To it. Go back, going back to the coming out of Egypt, there came a point where snakes were coming out of the sand and, and killing people, and God had Moses and take, take a snake, a, a bronze snake, and put it on a, a pole, and, and, and if they would look at it, they would be healed. And, and they, they turned that good thing, good memory, into an object of worship. So Hezekiah, again, as a young king in his 20s, destroyed that and smashed that because they weren't worshiping God. Verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not uh, stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he was successful in whatever he undertook. Now, Hezekiah still had problems. He still had challenges. He still had enemies. He had, had to fight. But When we obey God, blessings always follow. Blessings always follow obedience. And 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 disobedience, God withholds his blessings. So my question I ask people all the time is, how bad do you want God's blessings? And uh, are you obeying God? And that's what Hezekiah, Hezekiah did. Now, I am pretty confident that there's not anybody that has a little idol shrine in their garage or backyard, and, and you're sacrificing your little animals to it or whatever. If you do, you got problems. But um, I, 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 don't, I don't have, I have confidence that that's not going on. But 
There's sins that we have picked up from our parents that some of us have never dealt with, never stopped, repented of, and started a, a brand new cycle. Let me give you some examples. We often don't think of this as sin, but it is, is worry. You cannot worry and trust God at the same time. You can't. That's why God says, trust in me, trust in me, trust in me, trust in me. Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. So worry. Maybe your mom was a worrywart. Maybe she was just stressed out. And she couched it as, I'm so concerned. You know, I'm so, I, I'm just, I'm just concerned. But I mean, she was like, she was on steroids with worry. You know, like when you would go out to play, you know, you couldn't go outside unless you had knee pads and elbow pads and, and, and shoulder pads and helmets and a mask. And, and, and then every, every corner of your house was padded. You know, the, the medicine closet had a lock and a laser electronic alarm system. You know, when you asked, you then became a teenager, your mom went like crazy, you know, wanted to, you know, she interrogated all your friends and pinned them against the wall. Yeah, the right to, right to remain silent, you know, to go with, you know, who's going to be there? Is there, you know, are other parents going to be there? Are there police at this party? You know, mom, come down. I'm just with friends. And she would secretly hide in the bushes with her binoculars. <laughs> and if you did not come home, you were five minutes late. She had already filled out the missing persons report. Okay, now I'm exaggerating for the, for the point is... Worry, 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 worry. And now you're a mom. And if you're honest, you look in the mirror and go, hey, hi, mom. How are you doing? Because you worry like crazy. You cannot trust God and worry at the same time. You cannot trust God and worry at the same time. Because when we're worrying, we're all about control. We're all about manipulation so everything's perfect and safe and stuff. And God's going, are you going to trust me or not? Now, I'm not saying don't be unwise. You want to go parachuting, you know, and, you know, don't check the, you know, don't check it. It's okay. You want to go bungee jumping? Just don't tie it that tight. It's okay. No, I'm not saying being dumb or, or unwise, but worry. How about another one? Anger. Bible says, actually, you can be angry, but not sin. But maybe your dad was angry. He was an angry man. And whenever he came home, you shuddered. You're like, oh, I'm walking on eggshells. What kind of a dad is going to come home today? Please, please, God, please be the good dad. Please be the good dad. Please don't have a dad who's mad. And he walked in and, oh, okay, everything's fine. But you knew at any moment it could turn. A simple comment or spilling of milk, and he would blow. And deep down in your heart, you said, I will never, I will never be angry like him. I will never marry someone like him. But if you're honest, some of that anger stuck to you. And if you look in the mirror honestly, you would see your dad in you. That baggage is affecting others. And there's, there's more, I won't go into detail, but... There's unfaithfulness in your marriage, and you look back, there's unfaithfulness in your parents' marriage. Alcohol abuse, hedging the truth, pride and arrogance, laziness, abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, financial irresponsibility, rejection, pornography, control, deceit, manipulation. I could go on and on and on, but it was modeled for you it stuck to you, now you're imitating that. That is called generational sin. And if you don't unpack that, 
and leave it aside and gain the freedom that can only come through Christ, you're going to pass that on to someone else. One of my former youth group, I was youth pastor for many, many years, even here for nine years, and one of the girls um, back then uh, got my book, and she's in Texas now with her family, and she privately messaged me. She says, I'm so nervous to read it. She said, but when I read Generational Sin, she goes, I have issues that I have not dealt with, and I'm afraid, but I am going to do whatever it takes to deal with my baggage so then I don't pass them on to my daughter and my son. This is real stuff. And it's bondage to remain really in prison to this, to this baggage. Now, here's the central point if you're taking note. Central point is this. Generational sin has no authority over a believer in Christ. That, that is so true. That is so freeing that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, there is power there from Christ to set you free and that you ha it has no authority for you to continue that sin cycle. Now, again, we've had all these people trust in Christ, and, 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 and some of them got baptized today. That's awesome. But there is a battle out there for, for your life, for your relationships, for your home. But if you have trusted in Christ, there's no authority. Generational sin has no authority in your life. Do you have problems? Yeah. You know, I don't know if you realize this, it. maybe you haven't watched the news in a while. We're living in a jacked up world. All right, we're going to have problems, but with Christ, we can go through anything, and he has set us free. So if you are not a follower of Jesus, this is not a religious thing. I'm talking about a relationship thing, relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you want to be set free, because we have no power in of ourselves, we can go to, you know, you know, steps and programs and stuff, but in ourselves, we have no power. The first step to freedom is to trust in Jesus as your Savior, to trust in Jesus. As soon as we trust that you, Jesus died on the cross, he rose again, he conquered sin and death, that Jesus says, I'm going to dwell with you with my Holy Spirit um, because I'm going back to heaven to prepare a place for you. I've given you power, you know, to, to do things, and it's really his power to break the generational sin cycle. Uh, Paul writes this in the book of Colossians, book of Colossians. He said this, when you were dead, that's before Christ, before you trusted in Christ, when you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. And because of that, he forgave you of all your sins. Let me stop right here. There's a lot here. He said, before salvation, we're dead spiritually. You can read the Bible, it doesn't mean anything to you, because you're dead spiritually, but then you trust in Christ, he made you alive. Now, it's, wait a second, through the Holy Spirit, oh, I can now begin to understand this and learn from this. Oh, I now see things different. You went from darkness to light, from dead to alive because of Christ. And when you got saved, he forgave you of all your sins. Now, Paul's going to give another picture, having canceled the charge 
of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us, meaning that now he's given an illegal perspective, that all the charges of sin against God were guilty, 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 guilty. Yeah, he saw that on spring break. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Yeah, he saw that when you're alone. Guilty, guilty. That, and we have pages and pages and pages. He said when he forgave us and then, he, then all the charges of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he, Jesus, has taken it away nailing it to the cross. He took all of that debt, all of the guilt, and nailed it to the cross. That's what his body did on the cross. That's what he, that's what he says at the very end. It is finished, meaning literally in the Aramaic and Greek, paid in full. Your sin was paid in full. That's why that last song, it is well with my soul. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed at the cross. It's so cool to understand that we have freedom now from just keep, you know, I can't help myself. And he gave another example. I'm not going to go into the uncircumcision part because that's, I'm not going to have any pictures either. Um, it's kind of awkward, but it literally means to cut away. And he, he cuts us away from our sinful nature, meaning before Christ, sin just comes so natural to us. It's natural. It's like, what, that's wrong? I didn't know that. This comes natural. So when Christ saved us, we're in, before he saved us, we're in this cage. We're in this prison cell with bars, and we're locked in there. We're not free. It's because of our sin. But then Jesus, when he saves us, cuts off the lock to that prison door. And if you just open the door, it opens because Jesus cut the lock off. He uncircumcised it. He cut it away. So that now you can walk out of that cell. Sad thing is, many Christians, they get set free from Christ and they remain in the prison cell. And it's, it's bondage by choice. But now because of Christ, we can walk through those doors and live, start beginning to live in freedom. So step one is to trust in Christ. So now you have the freedom to live the way Jesus wants you to live. I don't know, with multiple services, I'm not sure if I share this. John 10, 10, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life. It's called freedom. Now, the second step of freedom is this, is to follow the Spirit of God. Follow the Spirit of God. Now, if you're a Christian and you attend um, a Grace Point, or if you're a Christian, you just, just showed up today, Please, please, please go on our website or go on our YouTube channel and watch last week's sermon. Pastor Kevin did a great job of, of explaining that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and each of their roles. And Jesus, after he died, rose again. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave my spirit with you because Jesus promised I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He left the Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us in this new life of freedom. So yes, trust in Christ, but now follow the Spirit of God, meaning listen to him and do what he says. Do what he says. In Galatians, Paul writes this, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That if the Spirit is going this way, we follow that way. 
If he, if he go, goes left, we follow left. If he tells us to stop, don't make that decision, don't go through that door, we stop. We're, we're living, so we're listening to him, following him, keeping a step with him. He's there to guide us, protect us, give us discernment, give us what God's will is. We, we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what door is going to be on the other side of that job opportunity, but God does. He knows how he made you, how he fitted you, what relationship you should be in. Trusting in the Spirit of God, we stay out of so much trouble and out of so many ditches. It, in, um, one of the reasons why we come to church is so that we can worship God in the midst of worship. The Spirit of God can, can talk to us. One of the reasons why to read God's Word, because when we're reading God's Word, God sometimes talk to, talks to us. Like we're reading something, we're like, oh. How did God know? When we're under the teaching of God's word, another reason to come to church is that we hear from God. I'd much rather you not say, oh, that was a great message. You made me laugh. That was really funny. That was real deep. Whatever. But when I hear, man, I heard from God today. I'm like, praise Jesus. Because I pray every single time I come up here, God, get me out of the way. Let me say what only you want me to say. It's much more beneficial for you to hear from God from this guy than this guy up here. And that's how we can follow the Spirit. Then we start making better decisions. The Spirit begins to reprogram our generational sin cycle to think differently, to act differently, and all that. The third step to freedom is to fight for your future. To fight for your future. Breaking the cycle of sin is not easy. Yes, now Christ can help you, but it's tough because now you got to reprogram everything and do, make different choices. But you're going to have to fight because the enemy, especially he can't, he can't keep you out of heaven now. He's going to try to load you up with baggage, and he's going to fight tooth and nail to keep you in bondage. In the Old Testament, the, the nation of Israel was punished for idolatry and were sent off to Babylon. For many, many years. And then God slowly brought a portion of them back to kind of repopulate Jerusalem. And when they got back to Jerusalem, they were astonished at the city. The wall had been destroyed. The city had been destroyed. Rubble everywhere. And they started living amongst the rubble. And that became normal to them. And then God sent Nehemiah to, let's rebuild the wall and the city. Because now that it was just, they were used to that generational, you know, this is how we live with the rebel. And so, so Nehemiah, in the book Nehemiah, it says this. He says to the people, uh, you see the trouble that we're in, right? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. They had no protection. Any enemy could just come through. There's no protection. Can, don't, don't you see people? We're in trouble. But it had become normal to them. He says, let's, let's rebuild the wall. They rallied. They were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And they started rebuilding the wall and moving it. And the wall slowly started coming up. Coming up. And when it got about this high, they faced opposition. 
from the enemies. They started laughing at them, mocking them, saying that wall won't stand. A fox can walk on it. It's going to fall over. And they kept building, and, and they got opposition, and this was hard. And then they, the enemy said, you keep building, we're going to kill you and your family. So then they were afraid. So Nehemiah rallies everybody again. And he says this, I stationed men in the lower parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places. He put some soldiers there. I stationed the people in family, family units, with their swords and spears and, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, to the officials, to the rest of the people. He says, do not be afraid of them, those who are opposing you. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, and fight for your houses. Yes, we're facing opposition, but don't be afraid of them. There's no power to them. By the way, let me remind you how God is, how awesome he is. Now, now fight for your family. So if you're in this generational sin cycle and you're like, okay, I'm done. I got it with Christ's help, I'm going to start a new cycle. Well, buckle up. It's going to get hard, and Satan's going to oppose you at every turn. But you're like, I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for the next generation. I don't want my sons and daughters to deal with this. I'm not going to give them this baggage. That's what you've got to fight for. But the thing is, you're not fighting alone. If you're in Christ, he is with you. He's empowering you. My dad's upbringing was rough. He was rejected at every turn. Baseball was life to him. It was the only thing that kept him alive. And then he married my mom. They both weren't saved. And he told me years later they were on a, on a pathway to divorce. But then my mom and dad met Jesus on the same day. And everything changed. I mean, I was one year old, still in diapers when he got saved. And that generational sin began to stop, and a new generational cycle took place. And I didn't grow up with rejection. I grew up in a, a house with love and laughter and fun sarcasm. And we had a lot of kids. I didn't grow up with the baggage my dad got. Yes, I got a backpack, but I didn't get a U-Haul trailer. And then my wife and I followed after the principles of Christ and raised our daughters. And they've grown up now, started in their family. They had a backpack of baggage because we're sinners, but they didn't have a U-Haul trailer. And it started when my mom and dad started fighting for us. And I was still in a diaper. They had the power of Christ to help them fight, but they fought. So you love your kids, your grandkids, your kids that are not even born yet. You have to trust in Christ listen to the Holy Spirit and follow him and fight because God is with you and he's awesome and he will help you. Now, I can't put everything in a message, put some more in the book, but as we go through this journey, there may be a, a, an issue that you're like, man, God really put his finger on that. I need some help. We have, have two counselors that are, uh, come to Grace Point. They're Christian, they're certified, they're trained. And they're both in, uh, in different offices in, in Old Town, Silverdale. And on your notes is their contact information. And through this journey, if God says, hey, when are you going to let me help, help you unpack this? And if you need some Christian counsel help, 
reach out to them and begin the process towards freedom. Would you pray, pray with me? God, I'm just so burdened um, that those listening who are living in bondage, that they will go down the path of freedom beginning with trusting in Christ. God, thank you for changing the cycle of my family when I was in diapers. And it changed because of Jesus. It changed because of my parents choosing to follow after you and obey you. And I didn't grow up with the pain of rejection that my dad was just suffered with. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the new cycle. And I pray for victory in many homes that you would deal with them, help them to stop and unpack this, let it go, begin anew. Would you bless them and bless them abundantly? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are a guest today, maybe you you came because someone was getting baptized and you're part of the cheerleading group, thank you. Uh, But if you're a guest today, we have um, guest services. We have a gift for you to say thank you for coming. If you've been coming to Grace Point for the last three or four months and have not been to our our meet and greet, well, today is our next meet and greet. We have um, Lone Star Donuts. We have probably be about 10 minutes. We get to introduce ourselves and uh, just thank you for being here. Please, if you're new to our church, please go over there. May God bless you. Have a great day and go Warriors.